You know, it's about separation. Um, it's the Nazarite vow. What, what in the world is this? This was a time when people would separate themselves to God. We're going to talk about that today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery. We are, we are looking at Numbers chapter 6. And God speaks specifically to the so-called Nazarite vow. It's going to be fascinating as we read. All right, so get ready for that in about three minutes. Corey. I'm going to be discussing what an ancient tomb just outside of Jerusalem has to do with Numbers chapter 6. Ryan? Well, like my dad, my segment today is all about the Nazarite vow as well, which we read about in Numbers chapter 6. Very good. Look forward to hearing that, Janice. Today, my segment's called it's not an easy road. Okay, very good. So get your Bible guide out. Let's open it up. Three minutes, we'll teach on it. Eight minutes, they'll be long. And then 12 minutes, Janice will be up. Let's go. Numbers 6, 1 through 12. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When either a man or woman consecrates an offering to take the vow of a Nazarite to separate himself to the Lord, he shall separate himself from wine and similar drink. He shall drink neither vinegar made from wine nor vinegar made from similar drink. Neither shall he drink any grape juice nor eat fresh grapes or raisins. All the days of his separation, he shall eat nothing that is produced by the grapevine from seed to skin. All the days of his vow of separation, no razor shall come upon his head until the days are fulfilled for which he separated himself to the Lord, he shall be holy. Then, he shall let the locks of the hair of his head grow. All the days that he separates himself to the Lord, he shall not go near a dead body. He shall not make himself unclean, even for his father or his mother, for his brother or his sister when they die, because his separation to God is on his head. All the days of his separation, he shall be holy to the Lord. And if anyone dies very suddenly beside him, and he defiles his consecrated head, then he shall shave his head on the day of his cleansing. On the seventh day he shall shave it. Then on the eighth day he shall bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons to the priest to the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And the priest shall offer one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering and make atonement for him because he sinned in regard to the corpse and he shall sanctify his head that same day. He shall consecrate to the Lord the days of his separation and bring a male lamb in its first year as a trespass offering. But the former days shall be lost because his separation was defiled. Numbers chapter 6, verses 1 through 12. Numbers chapter 6, or 4 through 6, is what we read today. Numbers is a great book, by the way. 
written by Moses, and uh, Moses was under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And as we look at this book, it becomes interesting because the Holy Spirit is clearly speaking. Now, the people of God were and still are called to be holy, to be separated from the world in word, in action, and in lifestyle. Separation to the Lord may look different in different times and cultures, but it always involves separation from the sins of this world. When we come to Jesus Christ, we confess our sins to him. We repent and we seek after him. We begin to struggle to live righteously and a task that we would be doomed to fail if it were not for the Holy Spirit of God working in us and if it were not for the mercy of God. Apart from holiness in everyday sense of things, believers can set aside special times when we focus on prayer and following God in deeper ways becomes important. In our reading today, we see that for ancient Israel, this special time was holiness expressed in the Nazarite vow. Men and women could take a vow and follow a special conditions that God had outlined through Moses and writing through Moses. This is absolutely fascinating. Now, as we continue this and look on it, get your Bible guide out, because this is really something. Uh, the, if you don't have a Bible guide, I can tell you that if you write to us or you call us, we'll send you one. Uh, if you want to get it quicker, like in seconds, go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. And when you go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com, click on the Bible guide. When you do so, it takes you to a place. When, let me I say thank you for your donations. They help us tremendously. And uh, we really appreciate them. But it takes you to a place where you can download it exactly how it's printed. So you can have the same copy of the Bible guide that everybody else gets. Today, Numbers chapter 6 is important. Let's pray before we begin, because in the book, in these books, the first five books of the Bible, we pray that God would speak to us. Because we don't take our ideas into it, but we take his ideas into our heart. So, Father, help us to do that today. We pray that, that we would take your ideas as you have defined them in the context of the scripture into our heart. That's what we need. Help us today in the name of Jesus Christ. And we said together, amen and amen. Here's what the Bible says. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when either a man or a woman consecrates an offering to take the vow of a Nazarite to separate himself to the Lord, he shall separate himself from wine and similar drink, and he shall drink neither vinegar made from wine nor vinegar made from similar drink. Neither shall he drink any grape juice nor eat fresh grapes or raisins. All the days of his separation, he shall eat nothing that is produced by the grapevine from seed to skin. All the days of the vow of his separation, no razor shall come on his head until the days are fulfilled for which he separated himself to the Lord. He shall be holy. Then he shall let the locks of the hair of his head grow. 
all the days that he separates himself to the Lord, he shall not go near a dead body. He shall not make himself unclean even for his father or his mother, for his brother or his sister when they die, because his separation to God is on his head. All the days of his separation, he shall be holy to the Lord. That leads me to this point. The Nazarite vow dedicated or separated the person to God alone. When we seek God, he is the center of our focus, not ourselves or anything or anyone else. I love it when people say to me, I'm fasting and they've got their phone right there and they've got their computer right there and any messages that come in, they're involved. When you separate yourself in the, in terms of fasting to the Lord or separate yourselves from that, you, you need to remove the external interruptions of your life. You can't let the phone get in. You can't, you know, I, when I was young, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have internet. We didn't have computers. Seems that sometimes life was a little easier in those days. Nevertheless, the important thing to remember is separate yourself from all of the distractions. That's what God is saying here. If you want to be alone with me, then be alone with me. When I pray, I go out and walk and I leave my phone in the car. I leave, I walk. Very, very important. All right, let's go on because the next verse of scripture says this. And if anyone else or anyone dies, I should say, very suddenly beside him and he is consecrated and defies his consecrated head, then he shall shave his head on the day of his cleansing. On the seventh day, he shall shave it. And then on the eighth day, he shall bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons to the priest, to the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And the priest is to offer one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering and make atonement for him because he sinned in regard to the corpse. And he shall sanctify his head that same day, which brings me to this point. A Nazarite vow could not be altered. Any deviation was counted as sin. God is aware of everything in our lives, including when we dedicate special times of prayer to him. Beloved, remember that. God understands. God hears. When we dedicate ourselves to him, he gets it. And so we need to pay attention to this. When we separate ourselves from God, then we need to do that. Separate ourselves from everything that would distract us. Now, with that in mind, let's go on to the next scripture, because it's interesting. It says, he shall consecrate, separate to the Lord the days of his separation. And he bring and will bring a male lamb in the first year as he tra- as a trespass offering. And the former days shall be the last or lost because of his separation that it was defiled. What's God talking about? God's holiness was to be respected in the keeping of the Nazarite vow. God's holiness was to be respected in the keeping of the Nazarite vow. Any deviation was supposed to be dealt with and the vow was to be redone. You see, God's holiness is serious business. Beloved, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
The book of Hebrews tells us that in the New Testament. Jesus Christ came to redeem us so that we can be present before the Lord. Now, this is very important. When we choose to fast or to separate ourselves, to learn from God, to give ourselves to the Lord, we need to do so. So help us to do that, Lord Jesus. In your wonderful name, this is what we pray and we ask today and we said together, amen. Okay, so part of our reading today is Numbers chapter 6, in which the vow of the Nazarite is first laid out. So I thought that it would be good for us to do a little bit of a study on it. Now, of course, there were a lot of different Nazarites in the Bible, including the prophet Samuel, John the Baptist, Paul the Apostle, and of course, Samson. But what exactly did this vow entail? Check it out. The vow of the Nazarite, first described in Numbers chapter 6, was a pledge whereby one separated himself unto God. It was called the Nazarite vow because the word comes from the Hebrew nazir, meaning separation. It was an oath that both men and women could take, and the separation was twofold. It was a separation of oneself from the things of the world, and a separation of oneself unto God. As a part of this separation, a Nazarite was required to abstain from three things in particular. First, he was not to eat or drink any products made from grapes. In fact, even grape seeds or skins were forbidden. Second, a Nazarite was not to cut his hair or allow any razor to come upon his head for all the days of his separation. And lastly, he was not to go near a dead body. This included even the person's immediate family, such as father, mother, brother, or sister. If somebody happened to die suddenly in a Nazarite's presence, then he was deemed unclean and was required to bring three sacrificial offerings before the Lord for his cleansing. Furthermore, his previous days of separation were nullified, and thus had to begin the vow anew. When the days of his oath were over, a Nazarite was required to bring three animal sacrifices, a burnt, sin, and peace offering, plus the customary grain and wine offerings. Finally, his head was shaved, and his hair burned up upon the altar. While the duration of the Nazarite vow varied, According to Hebrew tradition, the minimum length of the oath was 30 days. And while most people took the vow voluntarily for a fixed period of time, such as Paul the Apostle, there were a few who were made lifelong Nazarites from birth, such as Samson, Samuel, and John the Baptist. It is notable that John the Baptist, a Nazarite, was called to prepare the way for Jesus Christ, a Nazarene. But since the titles Nazarene and Nazarite have no relation, this seems to actually serve as a contrast between the two. Jesus was called a Nazarene simply because his hometown was Nazareth. As with John, the prophet Samuel was also dedicated as a Nazarite by his mother Hannah even before his birth. Nevertheless, the most famous or perhaps infamous Nazarite in the Bible by far was Samson. But this fame is probably more due to the fact that he was also by far the greatest failure since he lacked discretion and thus ended up violating all three of the requirements. 
Later, in the book of Acts, we learn from Luke that the Apostle Paul had also been under such a vow, and had even assumed the heavy expense of purifying four other men that had such vows on them. While no other Nazarites are mentioned specifically by name in the Bible, we do know that there were many. The prophet Amos, for example, criticized northern Israel for perverting the Nazarites with wine. And the Jewish-Roman historian Josephus mentions a large number of Nazarites sponsored by Herod Agrippa I. So while it's true that the Bible doesn't mention a whole lot of Nazarites by name, we do know that there were a lot who took the vow, including both men and women. And I think this principle of separation to God is still very important today. Of course, while it might not involve the growing out of our hair or coming near a dead body, the point is, is that we should really learn to dedicate ourselves to God as well. Sometimes that means that for a time we remove all distractions so that we can spend uninterrupted time with God. Because the more time that you spend with God, the closer that you'll get with Him and the closer that He will get with you. You know, the world that we live in is such an incredibly noisy and distracting place. So the question is, what is it that distracts you? Is it social media or television or sports or politics? Whatever it is, think about taking some time off of those things and spending that time with God. I don't think that you'll regret it. You know, it's interesting because uh, when I was younger, came to know the Lord, the first year, the first two years after that, I had to, I, I felt the need to separate myself from the music. And when you're 14 and 15 years old, that's a big deal because I was building speakers. I was doing everything. And uh, it, it becomes important. And the God spoke to me in those times and said, I need time with you. Mm -hmm. And I didn't understand what he meant then. But then later on in life, I understood it. So the, the Nazarite, and there were Nazarites in the New Testament time and all of that. It's very, very interesting. Yeah, so, absolutely. I had a similar experience with the music, as you know. So, yeah. You know, sometimes you just got to you know, stop what you're doing and, and yeah. uh, give it a break. <laughs> and I interviewed you on Beyond the Call and people should look for that and uh, see that because your testimony is absolutely stunning and fascinating. Corey? All right. Well, number six. I'm going to read something from number six because this is, this is where everything of my segment comes from today. It's why I chose to take a look at it. It's, we're taking a look at an archaeological, a few archaeological artifacts that were discovered in the 70s. So it's a, it's a very long time ago, but it is still very important and pertinent to what we're reading today. So the priestly blessing of Numbers chapter 6, starting in verse 22, I'm going to read uh, 22 to 26, and this is in the ESV. It says this, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons saying, thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So this was the, the priestly blessing that Aaron and his sons, the priests of Israel, were supposed to give to Israel, uh, uh, presumably uh, at, at every gathering and feast and festival and things of that nature. There's a popular worship song today that that has uh, the lyrics that has this blessing in the lyrics. So it's kind of been brought back, I think, into the pulp culture of Christianity, which is actually a good thing. I'm, I'm in favor of more scripture being used in songs, though I do think we need to be careful how we use it. But that's neither here nor there. I want to talk about this priestly blessing because this priestly blessing was also found on two artifacts uh, 
that date to the uh, you know, there's debate on it, whether it's the sixth century or the or the seventh century or even the fifth century B.C., but the time period of the kings of Judah and Jerusalem. And, and of, of course, I'm talking about the Ketef Hinnom amulets or scrolls or artifacts, whatever you want to call them. But Ketef Hinnom uh, over, it's a site that overlooks the, the Valley of Hinnom just outside of Jerusalem. And, and it's a very famous graveyard. You, you can go there today. And if you stand up, uh, beside the Temple Mount, you can look down into the valley and you can look on the other side of the valley and you can see a bunch of graves. So there was a very famous excavation that happened here in 1979 of a site at Ketef, at, at Hinnom of a burial cave that was very intact. Uh, and in this burial cave, to everyone's surprise, because there are this thousands of years of history here. So most of the, of the tombs, uh, the ancient tombs uh, in this valley, uh, have been pillaged long ago. There's been a lot of takeovers and a lot of violence and a lot of history that has happened in Jerusalem. But in this burial cave, they found one bone repository that had been sealed since antiquity. Untouched. Untouched. <laughs> I get very excited about this. And in this bone repository, they found the skeletal remains of 95 people and over a thousand artifacts or grave goods was also in this jumble of human bones. Two of these artifacts were silver amulets, tiny, tiny rolled up scrolls. And when I say tiny, I mean tiny. One of them, the bigger one is 27 by 97 millimeters, which is 2.7 by 9.7 centimeters. Or if you're an inches person, one inch by 3.8 inches. That's the big one. And that's unrolled. And the smaller one is 11 by 39 millimeters, which is 1.1 by 3.9 centimeters or uh, 0.4 of an inch by 1.5 inches. Very, very tiny. And on these amulets was ancient Hebrew writing that contains numbers six, among other words. Uh, so I would like to read to you the translation of what was written on these amulets that people were, were so important to the people that it was buried with them. This was their grave good. Okay. The first one, this is a reconstruction. Yahweh, the great who keeps the covenant and graciousness toward those who love him and the, uh, and the and all those who love him, those who keep his commandments, the eternal, the blessing more than any snare and more than evil for redemption is in him for Yahweh is our restorer and rock. May Yahweh bless you and may he keep you. May Yahweh make his face shine. And then it cuts off. The second one says this for PN, the son, daughter of blank. May he, she be blessed by Yahweh, the warrior and the rebuker of evil. May Yahweh bless you, keep you. May Yahweh make his face shine upon you and grant you peace. 
So this isn't just in, just just number six. Researchers have noted that there's also mirrors to verses in Deuteronomy, Nehemiah, and Daniel. But the excavators take these to be the earliest extra biblical confessions in the nature of Israel's God. And because they're personal belongings, they're grave goods, it shows that these confessions were not just seen as national or corporate, but that they were also personal and familial to people in Israel. Fascinating. Wow. Fascinating. Isn't that something? Amazing. Goodness. That's incredible. Okay, Janice. And now with the technologies that they can use yeah. to be able to unwrap and unseal and and find and locate these items is just amazing. I know it's getting better and better. Better and better. It's it's really as stealing a word from you. It's fascinating. It truly <laughs> is. It truly is. Well, I don't need much time at all for my segment today. I titled it, It's Not an Easy Road. And Ryan, as I was listening to you uh, wrap up the end of your segment, I thought we must have been comparing notes mm. because a lot of what you said, I was going to echo mm. here now. And so I want to start off by reading Matthew 7, 13 and 14. It's Jesus saying, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. This reading of the chapter of the law of the Nazarite, one that wanted man or woman to set themselves apart uh, in service to God, there were very strict requirements and things that they had to follow in order to obey God. When we commit our lives to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not an easy decision to live out our lives and be different than this world. Watching the news and seeing things happening around me, what about you these days, makes my prayer life with God increase a lot. How about you? We must ask for God's help to live the way that he has called us to live and not let the world and its ideals slip in. How do we do that, you might ask? The way we do that is to seek the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and all of our strength. We need God's help in these days. Commit yourself to follow the Lord. Spend time with him in prayer. Spend time in his word. It's so very important. I just want to say thank you to everybody who supports us. We really appreciate it uh, and we have felt it. And so praise God. Thank you. You know, we don't write a lot of form letters or any of that. We stay focused on the word of God. And so when you support, that really helps us. Thank you so much. Today, we need to pray. 
Lord, help me to find your calling on my life today. And most importantly, help me to do it with the help of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.